0: Let's kick the tires and light the fires. Big Daddy. Welcome back to the Dad in a Rock podcast. This is Sean. And this is Chris. Hey, it's another week of our summer blockbuster tribute. This week we are talking about uh, movies from the 1990s. But uh, yeah, before we do, what have you been up to this week?
1: Me and Zach actually went fishing earlier today. Uh, today is 14th. We're recording. It's actually my birthday. So, uh, happy birthday. Oh, yeah. Flag day. Oh, yeah. Just, you know, just getting older. (laughs) It's more happy Flag Day. The older I get, the less happy it is. (laughs) Uh, but we went out fishing this morning. Uh, you know, I'm finding out that I am a very crappy fisherman. I don't catch anything unless it's on accident, apparently. Took a few times for you to grasp that, huh? Oh, yeah. 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 Apparently, I've been lucky a few times, and more often than not, I get nothing. (laughs) But, uh, there is a BMX track right next to, uh, the pond we go to. And on Sundays, come to find out, they actually do racing. Oh, yeah. And it is open for anybody to participate. Anybody? Even anybody. you? Yeah, apparently, even if I <laughs> wanted to do it, uh, that would be, you know, a nightmare situation. <laughs> but uh, Zach is actually... Uh, interested in doing so so it looks like we're going to go ahead and get him signed up to you. maybe possibly you have another er trip we could talk about next
0: week oh no well hopefully that's not the case but that's exciting what has he seen bmx racers before like how to get into it what's his interest level
1: uh he's seen it on tv he's seen the track it's the first time he's actually seen it in person and the more he watched it the more i seen the wheels turning in his head pun definitely intended there <laughs> But I was like, I had to go and you know talk to the people. They have these helmets that he can actually use, so uh, so he won't have to run out and buy one of those like two hundred dollar you know BMXing helmets, right? And he's just really required to go ahead and wear long sleeves and pants, unless he's gonna you know, he has elbow pads and knee pads. He can wear shorts and a t shirt. So they're they're looking at you know just to make sure they're you know well prepared and you know protected and everything. But I plan on taking him out there sometime this week on the track just to see how he reacts to going down that first hill yeah that's uh they can get moving <laughs> oh sure and i'm not even sure if he can actually go the full track without burning out <laughs> well that's pretty awesome
0: i mean uh, it's another activity for him to get into guy he's um he's done way more things i think than well i know for sure that i did as a kid maybe even you did as a kid like just he's
1: into all the activities he's into anything and everything either he can get dirty with or try to hurt himself yeah. with. so i mean it's, it's pretty much a gist of it and his sister is just right on his heels yeah uh Skylar, I mean, she's watching him like do his ninja stuff and she actually just got herself into ninja this past week. So now she's jumping and you know, punching and doing flips and she's right on his heels.
0: Yeah, you're I don't know what you're doing. You're training your kids to beat you up. They're gonna oh, they're yeah. gonna be bigger than you one day,
1: you know. <laughs> oh, I'm clearly the heavy bag in the house. They beat the <laughs> crap out of me. <laughs> so have you been up to anything uh you know, fun or exciting lately? Yeah, for folks that know us, um, so this is today's
0: Chris's birthday. It's uh, June 14th to kind of mark when we're recording here. Um, but yeah, uh, normally when we were in our twenties, we would, uh, have a bit of a party celebration. You'd come down to Louisville here. We'd have a fun weekend. Oh, big old
1: blast. Uh, you know, flipping me out of hammocks and you know. yeah, have
0: a fire drinks.
1: Oh, not, not just some drinks. We'll be drinking from like <laughs> three o'clock till like when, you know, somebody is, you know, had enough <laughs> <laughs> and then
0: crashing in our tiny living room. Oh yeah, There's too many people in this tiny house. But good times, and then once my daughter was born, her birthday is uh, June the seventeenth. She kind stole of, my uh, birthday party. She sure as heck did. <laughs> <laughs> so it's um, ever since you know, for me and my daughter, it's kind. Of, this weekend's kind of been a um, a combo where we celebrate her birthday and maybe Father's Day, depending on what, what weekend it falls on. Uh, usually, we go to the movies, but that's not really an option this. this year but uh, yeah we had a a kind of a small birthday party here at the house we invited uh, our friends over uh with their kids and there was one kid from daycare that she hangs out with from time to time and his dad came with him and kind of a small get-together but it was just nice to have people over like uh haven't been able to do that
1: in a while yeah no it's it's one of those things i can understand kind of slowly kind of integrating back into what normal used to be yeah uh, we're kind of doing the same thing. My brother comes over with his kids periodically. We've gone over to my mom's house, uh, my in-laws. So we go over there periodically, but even uh, as, as much as going out to eat, seeing as my birthday, weekend here, just like, you know, your daughters, my wife took me out to a local uh, Mexican restaurant. Yeah. And they used to have seating and everything out front. Where you know where you would be waiting, and they actually added tables out there. So we were sitting out there, and we kind of ways away from everybody, even so far away from everyone. You know, it took a while for a waitress to get us because apparently they rotate that table. Oh no! And nobody knew who had it at that time. <laughs> <laughs> like cricket, cricket, hello. Yeah, for, for the most part, we're eating our chips, and we're like almost all the way through, you know, our chips and salsa, <laughs> and then finally a waitress shows up. But it was even weird doing that. It like It was like, I've been struggling with that for a while. Yeah. Seeing that I've been running DoorDash. I see all these restaurants. Oh, was one of them I went to on Friday, packed to the gills. I mean, there was no spacing or anything. Oh, wow. Uh, chairs were right up against each other, you know, back to back. I was like, man, this isn't quite, you know, quite <laughs> kosher. Yeah, it's so funny, the disparity,
0: because it's like some places aren't even opening back up yet. Like, they're still sticking to the uh, carryout and yeah. uh, the drive through options. And then other places that they're just like, eh, whatever. Back to business as usual.
1: <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. So I was like, I even, I was struggling with the idea because I wanted to go out, but I didn't want to go out at the same time, if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. And eventually I was like, you know what? I know if I can sit outside and they put me far enough away, I don't think there's any reason to really feel guilty about actually getting dinner out. So did that, got a good drink. And uh, if anyone's listening to us in you know, the Ohio area, no else's. I got a bad wine uh, drink, and I got it frozen. And it is, they put it this way. They'll only give you two. It's so strong. Wow. And uh, I had one of those on basically an empty stomach. I wasn't feeling it till I stood up. Yeah. I'll put it that that's way. That's how it hits you. Once you start to walk away from that seat, you're like, oh, hold on. <laughs> yeah. I'm not as good as I thought I was. <laughs> exactly. And we walked over to Walmart, too. So I was like, oh, well, um, yeah, now you're going to take me in here. <laughs> <laughs> A drunken Walmart escapade. That sounds like fun. Well,
0: you know, we fit right in. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, very good. Well, I mean, other than uh, birthday parties and uh, drunken trips to Walmart, I know you and I have both made some time over this week to watch some movies from the 90s, right?
1: Yeah, most movies be forgotten about, believe it or not. And it's even hard to forget about one of them. I mean, Independence Day is a big movie that comes on about this time of the year, three, four, five times. I think even like TBS or TNT on on the 4th, run it like 24 hours. So it's kind of hard not not to say it.
0: Yeah, it's a staple. I mean, I feel like for a movie to have ongoing success is just to name itself after a holiday or be like a holiday-related movie like Halloween, Independence Day, uh, I don't know, stuff around Thanksgiving. We should name one Flag Day. (laughs) Yeah, there you go.
1: (laughs) Uh, And the other one is Speed. Now, this one I haven't seen, I'm going to say, in 20 years. Yeah. This one has been a long time out of my, like, movies I've seen. And I sat down and watched this one here, and I forgot the ending. Yeah, Like, I remember the whole bus thing and everything. Even so much the elevator at the beginning. But the ending with the train, I I, I completely forgot about.
0: Yeah, I'm with you. I haven't seen this movie in years. And, uh, I mean, it was hugely popular in 1994 when it came out. Um, but it, it doesn't quite have that repeatability that uh, Independence Day has, of course. Because, like you mentioned, I mean, I've seen Independence Day uh, at, at least one or two scenes of it each year, I think, since it came out. Just because it falls around that time frame. But... Speed, not so much. I, I, don't. I'm maybe I haven't seen it in the last twenty years, but it was fun, kind of uh, revisiting it. I, I mean, the the music. It's got uh, Mark Mancina did the score, who I, I later found out was actually. I sounded very familiar. Those opening notes, and as they're kind of going through the opening credits, and I was like, wow, I wonder if the same guy. And, and sure enough, it's the same guy that did Bad Boys. And a ton of other action movies in
1: the 90s. Yeah. Yeah, that was pretty cool. I didn't pinpoint that until we actually were were talking about this prior to our show starting. But yeah, I think about it. It has that same feel to it. So I, too, had forgotten about the entire ending. I'd forgotten about
0: how this movie opens up with this uh, this sort of uh, domestic terrorism involving uh, an elevator in an office building. Did you remember any of that?
1: Yeah. I, I see. I did remember the whole Howard Payne trying to get his $3.6 million, which is pennies nowadays. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, putting people in an elevator, trying to blow the elevator and going. It was a basically Jack and then Harry go ahead and check it out. And they hook up a crane to it and they, he blows the elevator and the whole deal. And yeah, if there is any movie that really feels 90s, this whole thing did it from the very get go from yeah, the opening shot. When they're coming over that hill, and they jump the car on this hill for no apparent reason. They're like, you know, we're just going to jump it just for dramatic entrance. Right. That was quite the action shot for just going down the road. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, to the whole elevator thing. It was, uh, like I said, it it was fun. It gets you right into it. It's like, okay, we're going to do this. (laughs)
0: yeah i think maybe that was kind of the point of the whole it was a good way to like introduce these characters and kind of the premise uh we have dennis hopper playing howard payne and this is just one year after he was king koopa in that terrible super mario brothers movie (laughs) that we talked about a few episodes ago um it's got keanu reeves of course kind of like chewing gum the whole time as he's saving people uh, from the elevator you could get his character right away it's just like he's very confident in what he does just you know, smacking that just gum. Kind of a hot shot. <laughs> yeah, got like hot shot. Um, then you got Jeff Daniels who plays a character named Harry, and funny enough, that same year he also played another character named Harry in Dumb and Dumber. Two Jeff Daniels roles in nineteen ninety four, both named
1: Harry, but totally different characters. <laughs> yeah, completely different type of movies. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we talked about the you know the beginning here, but I mean after they go ahead and foil, you know, Howard Payne's ploy and they even thought that once they stopped it, he blew himself up. Right. So they thought he was dead. And come to find out, nope, he wasn't. He went in and hijacked bus 2525 to go ahead and put a bomb on it, which was a fun little twist.
0: Cool. I mean, they, you know, towards the end of that, um, that opening, Dennis Hopper kind of caught Keanu Reeves' partner, played by Jeff Daniels. Dennis Hopper had a bomb strapped to him. He was holding on to the trigger. And just kind of walking him away, like, you know, what are you going to do? And he could listen in on Keanu Reeves and Jeff Daniels' conversations this whole time. So he kind of brought things back from their conversation. Um, like, you know, what are you going to do, hotshot? And <laughs> Keanu Reeves does exactly what he said he was going to do. He shoots He's the hostage. He shoots the hostage. Yeah. yeah. Shoots uh, <laughs> Jeff Daniels right in the leg and uh, sends him to desk duty. Uh, but, hey, at least
1: he was alive. Oh, yeah. And they caught Howard by surprise, too. He was like, there's no way you're going to do that. And sure enough, he shot him. <laughs> he curses at him, too. <laughs> <laughs> he does everything against what the book says to do. Yeah, but uh, it worked. You could tell that
0: that's kind of his. He's this hotshot that does things in an unorthodox way and, and gets results. Yeah,
1: no, that was fun. And it was funny because Harry even looked at him like, "Dude, you didn't shoot me, <laughs> asshole." <laughs> But, yeah, they think this this guy
0: died, uh, played by Dennis Hopper, this terrorist guy. And, you know, they they get their accolades. They have their awards given to them at the ceremony. And, it, uh, you know, the movie kind of shoots back to Dennis Hopper clapping with his uh, one damaged hand. I guess he had a thumb blown off some earlier part of his life or was kind of the first clue onto who this guy is. Uh, yeah, it's just a, kind of it was a great way to introduce these characters, introduce the, the world, the premise And that this mad bomber played by uh, Dennis Hopper, uh, kind of how he would be the uh, thorn in Keanu Reeves' side the rest of the movie.
1: And Dennis Hopper played a great, like, bad guy here. Oh, yeah. I I thought it was believable. It was fun to watch. Yeah. I mean, throughout the movie, I was like, you think I really want to do this? And, you know, I mean, we think he does. (laughs) And everyone else thinks he does. I don't know why he thinks he really doesn't. (laughs) If he doesn't want to, he seems to be enjoying it quite a bit. (laughs) Exactly. And you, I mean... Talking about like bad guys that are smart, man. He was uh, he was kind of scary smart if you think about it, on how he had everything, you know, meticulously planned. Yep, and you know, cameras everywhere and you know, helicopters and. He, at one point, he said, you know, interactive TV. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> way with the future, huh? <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> it's crazy just the, the intricacy it took to, I guess, do the elevator job. But honestly, it seems like the bus job was a, a lot more intricate. It, it seemed to happen pretty soon after uh, this initial run. I don't know. It doesn't really the movie doesn't really tell you how long it takes in between the elevator um, stunt and and the stunt with the bus, which takes up a majority of the rest of the film, but since Keanu Reeves' character Jack, you know, ruined his plans with that elevator, he made Jack his target going forward. And
1: yeah, that bus blew up that his friend was the driver on. Yep. And then you know, the telephone booth rang, and he went and answered it, and a you know, pop quiz, hot shot question that was given to him. Yep. That kind of led us right into where it was. And he told us the bus number and where I was heading to 2525 and you know, the bus driver and everything. And Annie was on the bus at that time and yeah. not loving life because she was on the bus. It was kind of funny. He's like, I love my car, not the bus. Yeah.
0: Annie, kind of our second biggest character in the movie. And probably, and I won't say probably, I mean, she was, this was her introductory role. I mean, this was Sandra Bullock's first role with Speed. And, uh, boy, she became quite the celebrity afterwards. She's still
1: around. Yeah, this this slingshotted her into, uh, you know, stardom pretty much. Sure did. But yeah, she I mean, she did a great job just sitting there going back and forth with the bus driver. Next thing you know, the bus driver gets shot, and then she's driving the bus. Yeah, so... The entire movie, you have kind of this back and forth,
0: almost uh, almost in the style of like an old romantic comedy or something between these two characters of Annie, played by Sandra Bullock, and, and Jack, played by Keanu Reeves. So throughout the action, you have sort of this love story, these two kind of growing closer and closer and worrying about each other until you get to the end. And they're, you know, they're kind of sacrificing themselves for each other. And just the different things that happen to this bus within that like 90 minute time frame is just insane. So many things. You, you can
1: see it, too. She even says towards the end of the movie, you know, it's so. She gives a percentage of you know relationships that start in you know in like situations like that never succeed. Yeah, <laughs> it's fun. Like you were saying, you can you can see them growing fonder and fonder of each other throughout the movie. From uh you know when they jump the bus, which is a really fun Mythbusters episode if you haven't seen it before. No, <laughs> yeah, they actually test the uh, the actual physics behind the the actual bus jumping scene. And uh, well, you know, spoiler. It's not gonna happen. <laughs> oh,
0: no. <laughs> yeah, um, there's a lot in this movie to where you're like, oh well, if that were real life, that definitely wouldn't happen. That that bus jump, uh, being one of them, where basically they run out of freeway, <laughs> all the roads in Los Angeles, and you're running out. A- <laughs> I was gonna say another one of these movies, they run out of road, <laughs> and I it's mean, a bridge again too. Yeah, I mean, first of all, the premise that you're going to go anywhere for any length of time doing over 50 on a Los Angeles freeway, I, I think they're pretty, uh, those freeways are pretty famous for being heavily Back to the gills, where it takes yeah. you an hour and a half just to get, you know, a few miles down the road. So the fact that you're going to have open road for this bus to fly through is pretty unbelievable in itself. Uh, yeah, that jump, I mean, just all the different things like the the, the camera, and there's a lot of kind of plot contrivances, but the action, man, the action in this movie, it just didn't stop. It just kept going and going. And they introduced these different, you know, patrons, these different uh, riders of the bus kind of going out about their day. You've got just like, you know, Gigantor, the construction worker. <laughs> yeah. And you've got Annie, of course,
1: and then an old lady. Then you got the the uh, the young white guy yeah. that is just like going kind of insane. He's like, you, you can see it's like he's he's going to crack. Yeah.
0: And you've got the uh, the tourist, the uh, the out of towner who's just like, Man, I don't I don't wanna go back
1: to the airport. I've already seen the airport. Yeah. 40, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, it's and it like I gotta give it to the movie because it's one of those movies that there's nothing else really going on outside of the bus. Yeah. And they're able to keep you actually intrigued and sucked into that one real environment. You ever know that they flash out to where Harry is or where the captain is or you know, even where the Dennis Hopper is, but predominantly right. Everything's happening in that one central location from, you know, when they pop up the hatch and Keanu Reeves looks under the bus and finds that first bomb. Yeah. Which is actually just a dummy. then he finds the other one, the real one, that has that cheap watch, his retirement gift, you know, set up as the trigger, which was, you know, the giveaway. And almost feel like it was meant to be the giveaway. That was kind of his calling card saying, hey, this is
0: so it is. Yeah, exactly. I think he recalled that conversation that Jeff Daniels and Keanu Reeves had during the uh, elevator escapade. You know, it was funny watching this movie. For some reason, I thought they were going to pull the old switcheroo on us and uh, have it be that Jeff Daniels was actually in cahoots. With Dennis Hopper, because uh, you know how movies do that sometimes. It's like, oh, turns out my partner was with the bad guy the whole time. <laughs> yeah, uh, that was kind of a trope in the '90s. Thankfully, they didn't do that, and uh, well, thankfully or not thankfully, I guess, because Jeff Daniels doesn't have a great
1: end. <laughs> oh no, he done got blew up. <laughs> 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 Talk about a decoy. Yeah, standing in his house, and all of a sudden he sees like, an alarm go off, and he knows exactly what it is, and it's just kaboom. <laughs> yeah, it was too late at that point. But Yeah, he wasn't going anywhere.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, Dennis Hopper, he set the rules early for, for the movie. I mean, this was kind of unheard of uh, in movies like... Like, here's the premise of the movie. I'm going to tell you what's going to happen. And it's almost like, as though the movie happens in real time. You know, I think the whole span of time, it's between like 8 a.m. and uh, 11 a.m. in the morning because that's where he wants his money, what time he wants his money by, right? And yeah. uh, he lays it out when he gets Jack on that payphone after he blows up that first bus just to get his attention. Uh, you know, pop quiz, hot shot, there's a bomb on a bus. Uh, once it goes over 50, it's triggered. It can't go back under 50. Nobody can get off. Um, and I'm watching and it's like, what do you do? (laughs) And, uh, Jack is thinking, we're thinking like, what the hell do you do? Like, that's insane. Well, then he
1: asked her questions like, you got to tell me what bus or where you got to give me something. Yeah. You
0: really think I'm going to give you that? Yeah. Keanu Reeves was just like, uh, yeah, I think you will tell me. And he was like, ah, very good. Here it is.
1: (laughs) Oh man, but yeah, once he gets on the bus and going underneath the bus, then when they they that bus driver got shot because of that, you know, interaction between him and that one guy who knows what he did wrong, but he pulls a gun on a cop, right, and a bus, and then he winds up shooting the bus driver, and they convince Dennis Hopper's character to go ahead and you know let him get him off the bus, and then that older older woman is freaking out; she wants to get off, yeah. And she gets too close, and Hopper actually blows blows up a little bu- a little bomb underneath the actual um, you know the door, and then she falls off, and they run her over. And that's a that's a pretty significant scene right there because everyone thought the bomb went off. Yeah, you know, Annie was like freaking out that she thought that was it, but then she felt guilty for you know being alive, knowing that. Her, based on her friend, she just ran her over when she fell out of the bus.
0: Yeah, exactly. It kind of made it real for everyone. Uh, like, oh, there's really stakes here. Like, these people that we're kind of being introduced to on the bus, like any one of them can go at any time, really, depending on their decisions. Yeah. And uh, th- I think that was the best thing about this movie is that it did enough to introduce you to these characters, to this these group of people, um, not only just Jack and Annie, but uh, all of the, the busgoers, And you really start to feel for them. Like, you can put yourself in one of those seats. Like, what the heck would I do (laughs) if I were stuck on this bus just trying to get about my day? And all of a sudden, you know, my whole world turns upside down. And just, you know, they're... They're thinking on their feet, all the solutions that they're trying to t- to get this taken care of, and eventually leads them to the fact that Jack notices that uh, Dennis Hopper has been calling Sandra Bullock's character Wildcat the whole time, and he can tell that uh, he is able to see the Arizona Wildcat logo on her sweater, and that's when he puts two and two together that he's actually got closed circuit television feed going right to him.
1: Yeah, then they find the whole yeah you know, they put together a loop so they can get, get them off the bus, and by the time that you know Howard Payne figures it out, it's too late; they're already off the bus, and he yeah he about freaks out <laughs> yeah but there was one part of that the you know, whole thing when they actually get onto the uh the airport when they start driving in circles mm-hmm. jack's able to get off convinces you know howard he let him off so he can talk to the captain and go ahead and figure out how to get this guy the money and let him know of you know his his terms before he gets back on the bus though he lays on this like car jack like almost need to go underneath the bus look at this bomb yeah and the, <laughs> there was a line that they all said right when he was getting on it kept said don't get dead and i just started laughing <laughs> don't get dead <laughs> yeah uh, that in itself was just a
0: crazy scene i mean cuz you know jack he's been somewhat keeping these passengers safe the whole time they feel at ease that at least there's this guy who knows what's going on on the bus with them and then when he's like you know hey i'm i'm leaving for a few minutes they all kind of freak out like what where are you going <laughs> And, um, you know, and then next thing, he's, like, getting on this, like, little, like, rolling board and rolling underneath the dang thing, which goes Then he causes it
1: issues. Yeah. (laughs) He he punctures the freaking gas tank. (laughs) Come on. Just make it harder on yourself there, buddy. Exactly. And I'm not sure with the timeline of this, but once he gets back up there, Howard calls him and tells him that he blew up Harry. And then he about loses his shit. Oh, yeah. And then everybody on the bus is like, okay, if he's flipping out. Time for us to flip a house. Exactly, yeah.
0: (laughs) And I think that, once again, I mean, that's where this movie really succeeds. Not only does it have, like, tremendous action, but it has, like, dramatic stakes. Like, you get to see characters deaths and how they affect the other characters and just the ongoing repercussions of uh, events and actions that are taking place in the movie so it's like you are just with these characters the whole time man it's it, it wraps you in and it's just like i mean it just keeps going
1: yeah it does a great job of of you caring for all the characters mm-hmm. from annie the bus driver all the way down to you know your i forget his name but Gigantor is sitting there but uh even him when he mentions like he's got a family and kids and then someone says, Well, I don't have any kids. Is your life more important than mine? Or something down those lines. Yeah. And they start, you know, kind of freaking out internally on the bus. Yeah. Just that, that, that right there speaks to how well the movie was written. Because if they could suck you into characters that are secondary characters, yep. you care about them as much as you care about the main characters. Great writing.
0: Yeah, so, I mean, after the old uh, switcheroo with the uh, closed-circuit TV, they were able to actually get the passengers off of the bus. And uh, at that point, Annie and Jack, they're kind of the last ones left. They kind of uh, put a brick on the pedal to steer it. And, of course, course, for whatever reason, it ends up steering right into a giant jet plane to cause a huge (laughs) explosion because it's 1994 and it's an action movie, right?
1: And hopefully it was empty. They never really said anything. (laughs) I think there was,
0: like, a packaging logo on the side of the plane, but, like... Uh, my wife, Christina, was watching it with me, and she was like, well, was anybody on that plane? Because you, you can't really tell.
1: Like, wah, 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 wah. And it was being taxied. Would there at least be pilots on there being taxied? Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, oh, well. We, we say these 12 are <laughs> blue, I had no idea what was going on. <laughs> Whoops. A collateral damage, I guess.
0: <laughs> so, basically, you know, at this point, all the passengers are safe. Um, Dennis Hopper thinks that they're still riding around in circles at the airport, and he calls up the uh, the police chief there, and he's like, hey, I'm waiting on my money, and uh, Keanu Reeves kind of takes it, he's like, yeah, you know, he doesn't know that we're safe, like, we have that advantage, right? So they can just go ahead and uh, go to the drop-off point and take him down, which they intend to do. But uh, he's a little bit smarter than they give him credit
1: for. Yeah, no, he's not your average bad guy. This guy has got a little bit of a, a little bit of brains in his head here. Yeah. Once he figures out, because he noticed that the actual loop happened. Right. Like he starts staring at. It, cause I think he like went to the restroom or something. He comes back and starts watching it, and then he sees one of the you know people on the bus actually do like a, a movement. Yeah. That wasn't natural. And then he caught on to what happened. And then he actually gets dolled up in his actual police uniform and kidnaps Annie, which is a a twist.
0: Yeah, this whole end of the movie I I completely kind of spaced out on um, because the bus kind of takes up such a huge portion of it. And it's kind of what this movie is famous for, right? But um, this whole kind of end scene where he, he straps Annie with some C4 and kind of takes her down to the subway. He's got his money. And he gets on a subway train, and uh, Jack is in pursuit. And uh, it's kind of crazy how this ends.
1: Yeah, he's on. He finally gets you know gets close to him, and he's like strapped to a pole. He winds up shooting the bus, you know, the, the actual conductor of the <laughs> yeah. train, which makes no damn sense no, in the world. He's, he's nuts. It's like, why are you gonna blow this? dude? Not only are you gonna shoot him, but you're shooting the controls. <laughs> you're stupid. How do you intend <laughs> to like live to spend this money? Yeah, that that was probably his first like lapse of judgment. <laughs> But then, uh, like, he realizes Jack's, you know, getting close. And he actually calls him by name. He knows he's on top of the train. Right. And he opens up his money, and it just uh, a dive, die bursts on him. Yeah. And he realizes, my money's not worth nothing. Yeah.
0: And he immediately just flips out. He starts shooting above the uh, ceiling of the train there. And he's like, Jack, I'm coming after you. And he runs off, leaving Annie there handcuffed to the pole.
1: And he winds up on you know, top of the train. And this is another one of those classic 90s fights. you know, on top of the train, and... You know, good guys getting the snot kicked out of them. <laughs> then, then the bad guy just mysteriously loses his head. <laughs> gets hit by one of the one of the signs and crunch, and all of a sudden his headless. Yeah, which, and uh, it
0: uh, actually shows you the head rolling right off. Just it's only yeah. A,
1: there's all of a sudden it's there and it's gone. Yeah, it's only like a and second and a half over. of film, but uh, they went for it. I mean, yeah, like you said, I forgot all about that ending, and then you know he gets back down and they have. Well, cop doesn't carry handcuffs. Okay, here's another one. It happened to bad boys too. At the end of the first episode. Will Smith has no Yeah, Will Smith doesn't have any keys for the handcuffs. So, yeah, they get down there, they get can't detacher from the pole. Right. So, you know, they speed the train up expecting to jump the tracks and, and you know, the, the workers at the end of the track didn't know this train was coming over 70 miles an hour. <laughs> yeah. Boy, so much collateral damage
0: or potential. So many people just like jumping and running out of the way of buses and trains
1: and like, oh my God. planes. <laughs> <laughs> Could you imagine the news cycle on this? <laughs> no. Oh my gosh. One day in LA.
0: Just craziness. But... Uh, Of course, you know, it's a movie, so uh, Annie and Jack live to see another day. Keanu Reeves and Sandra Bullock live to make many more movies. Even one more together, a romantic movie called The Lake House.
1: Well, they did Speed 2, too.
0: No, Keanu wasn't in Speed 2.
1: Keanu wasn't in Speed 2?
0: No, he refused to do that. It was only Sandy Bullock that came back and Jason Patrick. And
1: there was a boat. That's
0: all I know is a cruise or something. Speed 2 Cruise Control. One of the things that our um, two movies that we're discussing today have in common, they both
1: have terrible, terrible sequels. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I don't even remember Speed 2. Like, there's nothing. All I remember was a boat. That's, That's the extent of what I knew about it. Yeah. I mean,
0: that's that's pretty much it. Speed, it was terrific to kind of revisit it. I mean, this was a movie that was a huge breakout role for Keanu Reeves. I think it really made him the star that he was. Like, I don't know if he would have gotten the Matrix if he hadn't been up front in speed to prove that he was like an action movie star. Because yeah. um, he had Point Break before this, but before this, that way he was like, you know, the Bill and Ted movies, and this kind of solidified him. <laughs> yeah, as which like, is another one's coming. Yeah, which is, we another <laughs> one coming, which is nuts. Face the music. <laughs> it started Sandra Bullock's career and really kind of set Keanu Reeves' career up into the atmosphere. So it's just a, a really great movie.
1: Yeah, Keanu Reeves is almost a national treasure now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he is. <laughs> <laughs> but pretty much, you know, to put a bow tie on this one here. This one was released back in uh, June 10th of 94. Uh, budget wise, I mean, this one had a tiny budget. Well, I'm not sure if it's tiny back, you know, in 94, but it had a $30 million budget, which still seems kind of small. Yeah. But, you know, gross income, you know, worldwide and everything, it made over $350 million. It was a huge success. And I can see why they would want to go ahead and try to, you know, do it again with the second one. It just, it just didn't work. <laughs> no, it did not
0: um but yeah great movie if you guys haven't watched it in a while or if maybe if you've never seen it um I, I highly suggest it it's definitely like chris and i were saying early man it is so 90s but uh, it's fun to revisit
1: yeah you'll feel it you'll know it. you'll know it immediately between the <laughs> cheesy you know, you know back and forth the you know to the action scenes
0: the cell phones that look like a brick <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. they embraced the 90s
0: wholeheartedly <laughs> yeah definitely <laughs> So another movie we watched, um, of course, you guys know, Independence Day came out in 1996. Um, This one is a little bit more near and dear to our hearts, right? We kind of mentioned how uh, we we tend to watch at least a little bit of it year to year.
1: Yeah, this is one that just, it's one of those ones that happens to be on like TBS or TNT. uh, The 4th of July, they run like a 24-hour marathon of it. Or if not marathon anymore, just... It's all more than once, so you can catch it. Well, this is another one of those big ones, just like the one prior. I think one pattern of our movies we're, we're like picking so far—they've got a huge cast. Yeah, I mean, this one has like Will Smith, Bill Pullman, Jeff Goldblum, uh, Randy Quaid. I mean, Vivica A. Fox, Harry Connick Jr. I mean, it, the list goes on and on, and it's it's crazy.
0: Yeah, it is. It's really impressive, um, just the way they were able to make this movie. It's kind of got those vibes of like an old school disaster film. From the '70s, just kind of like how these these random characters from kind of different places in the city eventually kind of meet up and converge. All their different uh, plot points end up all coming together at the end. It's kind of honestly, it's kind of Roland Emmerich's masterpiece. I think this is the big one that was kind of early on in his career, and he tried to uh, get lightning in a bottle again after this, and it never really <laughs> came out as
1: well. Well, you said it had the feeling of those like old school like disaster movies. I mean, there was one scene that, I mean, I may be getting ahead of myself here, but they put the light panels on the helicopter. Yeah. And it's very, you know, it feels very similar to Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, he's even sampling some things that make you even feel like that. And I don't know if I ever caught that before. I was watching it, you know, this time around for the show. Right. And I'm like, it just, it just dawned on me. It's like, hey, we're, we're sampling from, you know, similar movies that were done many years prior.
0: Yeah, and I forgot how scary some of this movie is. I mean, I'm, you know, going back, some of the things are classic, like, you know, Welcome to Earth and some of the one liners and stuff from Will yeah. Smith and, uh, you know, all the heroics towards like the final third of the film. But when these aliens are like first entering the atmosphere and there's just the sky is on fire over these cities. And you're just, everybody's looking in shock and amazement. Like, uh, that whole opening, it really, I mean, it draws you in. The movie itself is two and a half hours solid, so it's a long movie.
1: For that time frame, too, that that's a long movie back then.
0: Oh, absolutely. Considering speed was probably maybe an hour or 45 minutes. <laughs> so this yeah. has an hour on top of that. But yeah. uh, I forgot just how eerie and 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 cool it was to see these huge ships Fifteen miles wide, just hover on top of these cities.
1: Well, yeah, yeah, had the whole like first scene where we see Will Smith's character. Mm-hmm. You know, he wakes up and yeah, you know, his, his girlfriend's little boy is like, "Say, I'm shooting aliens." Yeah, he goes out there and he notices he goes to the bathroom. He's like, "All the neighbors are moving." <laughs> right. Then he goes out to get the paper and he looks around and everyone's moving. And then he looks up. Yep. And sees what he sees. Now this, he's supposed to be on you know on leave this you know this period of time. Yep. And then he gets caught up. Then Vivica Fox, Jasmine, she gets uh, a little irate that he's leaving. And he doesn't understand And she looks out the window and points. <laughs> yeah, and he's great in this. I mean,
0: you know, it's Will Smith. He's pretty much great in every role he's had. But, you know, Captain Steve Hiller is the character he plays. This is one year after Bad Boys, kind of his big breakout movie role. And I I feel a Mike Lowry in this movie. <laughs> yeah.
1: I really feel Mike Lowry in this movie. Yeah, he's
0: there. <laughs> With the uh, tank top and everything, claiming that he's got a bunch of girlfriends back on base. You know, that was definitely Mike Lowry.
1: (laughs) The swag and everything. He carried that swag over
0: into this movie. Uh, But some of the other cast here, we've got Bill Pullman playing the president. And we'll get to his speech later. But, I mean, he's great in this
1: movie. That's a speech that's actually going to go, I think, down in cinematic history. Yeah, I think so. I think it's probably one of the best like presidential or any speeches in general that's addressing... Not just us here in the states, but like worldwide, that's unifying everybody. Yeah. If you don't, if you listen to that and you don't really get some type of like emotional or chill sure. or something, you you need to check your blood pressure. <laughs> <laughs> you need to check something. It's a shortcut. It's
0: I mean, of course, the the music swelling and stuff, and people cheering, and the fact that it's a movie helps, but. It really is a great speech. We'll, we'll talk about it when we get there. But uh, Jeff Goldblum, of course. I mean, this was a few years after Jurassic Park. I mean, he was a pretty well-established name at this point. He was doing movies back in the 80s even. But uh, this was a great role for him. He was kind of more of his normal roles. He was a little less kooky than he typically is.
1: <laughs> okay, so you have Will Smith's character who is the military pilot. Yeah. Uh, Bill Pullman's the president. They, they They've got They play a certain role. Yeah. In the movie. And if you if you think about it in reality, they're always supposed to be kind of really stoic. Mm-hmm. They have, you know, their role to play. They know it. They're trained in this way. Jeff Goldblum's character is real. Yeah. I feel like he's got, he plays, he has the swings in his character. He goes from, I figured this out. And then all of a sudden they do the, you know, the, I'm getting ahead of myself with the, the movie. Yeah. But you see him get like really high because he figured out. Then he goes completely crazy and he's hitting the bottle. Yeah. Then he figures something else out and he gets really high. I think his character actually is probably the best character in the movie. Yeah,
0: I think so too. For me, it's kind of a toss up between him and and Bill Pullman's president character. Probably because you get to see the most out of their lives. Um, you get to see Bill Pullman interact with his his daughter. I mean, that hit me right in the feels. Once his,
1: I I can't do this anymore. Yeah, I can't do these interactions <laughs> with daughters and young kids. Yeah, uh, when Will Smith was hugging, you know what. Soon to be his, you know, his stepson. Right. When he was leaving, I start getting emotional. When you know Bill Pullman's wife, yep, dies in that hospital room, He's dying, he, and he tells his daughter, or his daughter says, "Mommy's sleeping." I'm getting, yeah. And then the big hug. I I can't do this. I know, <laughs> nope. dude. I'm right there. I know. I didn't have these reactions when <laughs> we were younger. Now that we have young kids yeah. and daughters, I
0: oh, I can't. I'm the same way, and that point of the movie is just like an emotional gut punch because it's like it's kind of them at their worst it's like you know it, this is from the trailers even like hey july 2nd they arrive uh, july 3rd they attack july 4th we fought back right that was kind of in the trailers and the posters yeah and uh this was the end of the second act this was the end of july 2nd where things are just at their worst like they've tried the the nuke They've tried things. They're just failing all over the place. They don't know what's going on. Finally, he gets his wife back, but she has internal bleeding. They can't save her.
1: And when she gets his wife back, we all think, okay, you know, good news. She's yeah. going to survive. The family, yeah. the kids, they're going to make it through as a family unit. And when we get the when we get the news from the doctor saying she's got internal bleeding, they can't stop it. And they didn't even wait. They didn't draw it out. He went in there and, you know, once her, his daughter left, yeah. he walked out.
0: And, it and was, that's how they, they end act two is just him holding on to his daughter, like holding back tears. And boy, oh boy, it gets you. Oh,
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you don't have kids yet, wait till you have kids, then watch this movie. <laughs> and then funny. you'll understand what we felt.
0: <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, so those are kind of our three big characters right we've got the president we've got captain steve Hiller. we've got david levinson played by jeff goldblum
1: oh randy quaid's character russell he's a pretty big drunk in this movie
0: <laughs> <laughs> he sure as heck is but he's a character in and of itself he's almost like cousin eddie where he's just like a uh, little looney tunes but uh he, he's fun and he he definitely redeemed himself at the end that's for sure
1: oh yeah well yeah i mean we're going through this and there was a part in when the uh, they first fired on you know, is you know DC and New York and you know all, the, all these other locations where Jasmine and her son are leaving they're in the car they're in the tunnel and they see the you know the fire coming towards them they jump out of the car and they run to like a little escape hatch yeah. Zach's watching with the, with me at this time and know what his one worry was daddy what about the dog oh yeah <laughs> me too he was concerned <laughs> about the dog and when the dog joined them I felt that like Relief, kind of fall over him. (laughs) Yeah, I literally just
0: watched, like, you know, a city full of people uh, just die in fire. But uh, I need to know that this dog makes it into the uh, compound
1: there. (laughs) Yeah, because I, I figured he, he knew that those two were going to be okay, or they were going to escape in some way. He wanted to make sure the dog wasn't going to get hurt.
0: Yeah, so that dog Bubba uh, was the dog of Vivica A. Fox, who was great in this movie. She plays, uh, you know, Will Smith's character's love interest. They eventually get married later on the film. Another guy around Will Smith's character, Harry Connick Jr., who hasn't really done a ton of movies, but back in the '90s he did a couple. He was uh, kind of his his flight
1: partner, right? Uh, yeah, I forgot all about him being in this movie. Yeah. It's crazy. Well, It was kind of funny where, like, Will Smith, you know, Captain Hiller, was trying to get, I guess, to be a NASA pilot. Yeah. Or, you know, an astronaut. And then you know, when he gets that letter when it says he's, you know, wasn't accepted, Harry Connick Jr.'s character was like, dude, I, I, I love Jasmine. But you're never going to get it as long as you're dating a stripper. It goes back to. I mean, once again, we're in the '90s. Right. Would something like that type of dialogue fly nowadays? No, no, I don't think so. And I think,
0: I think if NASA denied you becoming part of NASA because your wife is a stripper, I think you've got a lawsuit on your
1: hands. <laughs> there is that as well. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's
0: kind. Of, yeah, it's kind of crazy. I mean, both these movies, right? They sit you know, very much in the mid-90s, and it's kind of easy to spot things like that nowadays.
1: Yeah, and, and people aren't shy about pointing them out either. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They'll find dialogue just to make it, you yeah. To bring it up, say, "Oh well, this has got issues here or something." Those lines, <laughs> yeah. people. I think people make a living on starting you know, controversies and clickbait and all that good stuff nowadays. But that's a whole nother. Yeah, we could have a whole nother show dedicated to that phenomenon that's going on these days.
0: The Cancel <laughs> culture. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So yeah, there was that scene where uh, you know it gives that backstory that he's applied to NASA. Will Smith's character, so he's got this history. And uh, it's kind of an ongoing thing. Like this guy, you could even see in his locker, he's got um, pictures taped off of the space shuttle and stuff. Like he's apparently he's a big uh, space travel junkie. And um, the fact that he in his story, he's able to not only fight aliens, but then pilot one of their ships at the end and kind of save the day, take down the mothership. It's a it's a nice arc for a character. Nice hero's journey.
1: I think he should be accepted. <laughs> what do you
0: think? <laughs> yeah, I think NASA should probably bring him aboard.
1: Yeah, but speaking of the alien one, I mean, Bill Pullman's character is like disputing, you know, that the Area 51 even actually exists. And then when his secretary of defense says that's not actually true and they actually go and, you know, find that actual spot, Pullman's pissed. He's like, why, why have I not been told about this when all these people have died and we could have done something you know, about it?
0: You know, we're in the third act here and things are desperate. You know, entire cities have been taken out. You know, how are they going to prevail? Right. All the alien ships, they have these shields. You know, they, they're pretty much like aliens out of sci-fi movies, like versus normal people <laughs> that actually exist. Like, how are we going to take them out? You know, it's...
1: Uh, well, you talked about that scene earlier about it. some of these scenes can be really scary. Yeah. You had it when they actually, Will Smith brought that one that was alive and it took him to the operating room. Oh, yeah. And it woke up in the middle of it and you had this all going on and then it wraps his tentacle around the you know, the main like scientist's throat and it starts talking and it was like, no peace, death. Did you recognize that scientist? I recognized him, but I really
0: don't know from where. It was uh, Brent Spiner.
1: Oh, no way!
0: <laughs> Didn't look oh. very much like Data, did he?
1: <laughs> oh, Okay. Well, okay. Well, now I feel dumb, <laughs> but I'm not a Trekkie. So that's true. That's true. I got to be given a little bit of the you know, leniency here. Yeah.
0: To be <laughs> fair, he looked way different than he normally does with that hair and the, the grizzle. And he looked pretty, he looked unwashed.
1: <laughs> that would be a fun, like obscure thing to get him to sign. Oh yeah. Just something Independence Day-wise, that would be pretty fun. But uh, we digress. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, that scene there was scary. When he basically, he said, no peace, yeah, death. Then he actually gets that, like, high pitch thing going. Yeah. And he, like, targets the president. Right. And then he asks if that, why that gas wasn't bulletproof, I won't understand. Right. but uh, <laughs> <laughs> For the movie, for the plot. But, yeah. Uh, they went ahead and lit the dude up, which was pretty cool. Then he walks above him and puts one extra one in his head, <laughs> <laughs> just for you know, just for good measure. You know, was it uh, a rule of zombie lane? No, double tap. Yeah, double tap. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So the president, during that
0: whole incident, he kind of finds out that this alien race—they're kind of like locusts, where they just go from planet to planet, sucking up and consuming all the natural resources and just leaving a husk and moving on to the next world. And uh, that's when he decides to nuke them. And uh, that's why David Levinson, his character, gets all depressed because, you know, if we all just start (laughs) dropping atomic bombs everywhere, then we won't have much of a planet to to save going after, even if the aliens leave. So um, just that dynamic. So, I mean, how do they eventually uh, take these aliens down?
1: Well, it came down to uh, a conversation between uh, David Levinson, Jeff Goldblum, and his dad. Yeah. That's going back and forth. And he's, you know, he's throwing stuff all over the place. Right. He's just, you know, if you're going to destroy the earth, I'm going to make a mess. And he's, he's just straight up plastered. He's got the bottle in his hand, yep. three quarter of it that's gone. You can tell he's, he's, he's out. And his dad says something about, you know, being sick. And all of a sudden a light bulb comes off. He's like, hold on, sick. And he says his dad's a genius. And he figures out the idea of an, a virus being, uploading a virus onto, you know, their ships that take down their shields. So he brings everyone aboard you know, everyone into the main room. And he tells one of the colonels to go ahead and take a shot at a Cocan and, you know, bounce off the shield, you know, like like they, he expected it to and everyone else probably did as well. Right. But then they hit that, you know, he, he uploaded the virus and then the can's gone. And they're all looking at him like, whoa, wh- wh- what did you just do? Yeah, what did you just do? How did you do that? His dad, played by Judd Hirsch, the
0: great actor, he was in Taxi. He tells his pop, like, hey, this was your idea, you know, give him a cold, and, and that's the plan. David Levinson, Jeff Goldblum's character, and Steve Hillard, Will Smith's character, they're going to take this ship that was uh, originally from Roswell. It was the, caused the whole Roswell incident back in the uh, 40s or 50s or whatever. And uh, it's been retrofitted, and he can pilot it, and that's the plan, to upload this virus onto the mothership.
1: That was a funny scene back when Will Smith was bringing the the Alien to Area 51, where all these RVs were storming Area 51, I thought. (laughs) Hey, look at that. They're storming Area 51. They can't arrest us all. (laughs) It's so funny how much of a mystery
0: it was back then, and now it's like the government's all but kind of confirmed the existence of it. Like, yeah, it's there. It's just, you know, there's no aliens, but... It's just where we kind of do some stuff that we want to keep secret. Yeah, right. <laughs> like, oh, okay.
1: It's like the uh, underbelly of uh, wright Pat Air Force Base. 95% of it was underground. What's going on there, we really don't know. <laughs> <laughs> right. But, uh, I mean, yeah, that whole thing that's going on. Levis seems like, I guess, wife that they're just separated. They've been separated for, what, three to four years. He still wears his ring. Yeah. It basically ask him, why do you have to be the one that, that goes? And he's like, I'm the only one that can do it. And if something goes wrong, I'm the only one that can figure out how to get around it. Yeah. So, I mean, there is that dynamic, which, I mean, that's a whole different, you know, that's a whole different storyline we really didn't even get into here between those two. Yeah, but him and Will Smith decide to get up there, and Will Smith puts it, the diagram would go forward, upside down, <laughs> yeah. and he goes backward, and he goes, whoops, a whoops. You, you're going to give me a whoops? <laughs> <laughs> It'll work on our communication. Oh, man, yeah. Then they, they finally get up and go, and, it, and, that, and that whole thing is fun when they get up out of the atmosphere. Yeah. They see the ship. They get sucked into the ship. Then this was a Goldblum's you know, chance to say whoops when they actually took control of the ship.
0: Yeah, they're it's, like tr- using you know, a tractor beam to bring them in.
1: <laughs> yeah, so the back and forth between those two on the ship in that short period of time when they actually had an inter- interaction was
0: really fun. It was good. I mean, the entirety of the movie, they had completely separate storylines. And then when these kind of two main characters come together, they, they did play off each other really well. So um, once they got the virus uploaded, it worked, of course. I mean, that makes total sense, right? You just use your Apple laptop to upload a virus onto an alien mothership. And
1: <laughs> no
0: problem there. That'll just work, right? Yeah,
1: no- that should be easy. Not only that, but you know, let's go ahead and fire a nuke at him and get away in 30 seconds. Yeah,
0: I mean, that gives the go-ahead for um, Bill Pullman to get up in the air, too, because he used to be a fighter pilot, and he says he belongs up in the air. So him and Randy Quaid and a bunch of ragtag group of pilots go up in these fighter jets, and they're going to try one more time to take this thing down. And they try once, and the shields block it. Then the president wants to try a second time,
1: and it does some damage. So then it's on. (laughs) But all the damage they're doing, though, isn't enough damage to really do anything. Right. Until they figure out exactly what to to focus on. And by the time they do that, everyone's out of a missile besides, you know, our our buddy, you know, Randy Quaid here, you know, Russell. Yeah. Who has actually been abducted, apparently, by these guys. (laughs) (laughs) So he goes and tries to fire his last missile. And it's it's stuck. Yeah, it's, you know, malfunctioning. There's nothing gonna happen with it. So uh, he tells you know everyone to tells kids that he basically that he loves them and uh he's he was like i'm back boys
0: yeah he gets pretty much a couple of the most uh, memorable lines in the movie you know payback's a bitch ain't it and um as he's like flying straight up into the the big weapon the giant laser weapon
1: and the laugh and the look on his face and everything yeah he
0: was a wild man he was loving it he was in the words of my generation up yours and then he explodes and the whole ship gets taken down
1: yeah, in, in just a span of like two minutes he, yeah, you're saying he says some of the most iconic lines of the movie <laughs> <laughs> but that's it I mean that's how
0: we, uh, we take down those Independence Day aliens and uh, I guess they get word around the world using Morse code and uh, all the other uh, places around the world have the same amount of success uh, they blew up the mothership with a nuke it's a happy ending. We we even get to see uh, Jeff Goldblum and Will Smith walk down the desert like a couple of badasses
1: after they, for some reason, wrecked. Yeah, you know the aircraft. <laughs> well, I don't know why they wrecked it. I mean, come on, you flew it out there, you flew it back. Why you wrecked it once you got back in the uh, the Earth atmosphere? Is and you not only wrecked it, but you wrecked it way out there. <laughs> yeah, you had a long walk ahead of you. <laughs> <laughs> they're rock walking back smoking the cigars you know because the fat lady you know, never sung that's right what's with you and the fat lady <laughs> <laughs> you're obsessed with fat lady dude that was fun I, en- I enjoyed that one i don't know if we're gonna have any of that we're really top back to the future was great yeah this was fun right so th- there's i think there's different levels of like movies here like speed was really good. Back to the Future was great. This was fun. It's going to be fun to see what our uh, our next movies will be, say, next week.
0: Yeah, Independence Day, I think, was just tailor-made to be a summer blockbuster. Just the amount of money they put into it. Huge studio, 20th Century Fox. They had a video game tie-in that I played on the PlayStation.
1: Oh, that was fun. I remember that.
0: Yeah, I remember the just the posters had come out months and months in advance, and just... The posters were amazing to to look at. Just the the image of these huge ships on top of these monuments, like the the Washington Monument, the White House, the Empire State Building. You're like, oh man, this movie looks intense. And the the, the trailers, the cast, um, it just hit that sweet spot, man. Yeah, it was like big, kind of goofy, dumb in some points, but just hugely enjoyable, and they tried uh, years later to uh, make a sequel to it, but it just didn't measure up. I spent years thinking of how great a sequel to this would have been if they would have, uh, you know, we had a ton of this alien technology just, like, laying around now from all these blown-up ships.
1: Yeah, so I was thinking that. I was like, once all these ships crashed, I'm thinking how far would our technology advance with all this wreckage right
0: there? But the sequel didn't make anything of that. (laughs) No wonder Will Smith didn't come back for it.
1: <laughs> but uh, I think we said earlier this was a uh, July third yeah. of '96. Ones that came out. This one had a, a slightly bigger budget of 75 million, but man, it made 100 uh, 817 million. So I mean, this was I mean successful in the long run. I mean, very very successful. Yeah, just
0: a couple of good choices. I think they really kind of hit the 90s. Definitely 90s movies. Uh, definitely ones that I remember seeing in the theater when they came out. Loved them then, and I loved them now. Loved revisiting them, and um, we're kind of on to the 2000s next week. Yeah, dude, this has been
1: a ton of fun. I'm watching movies that I haven't seen in forever. Yeah. And uh, this this has been awesome. I hope you guys are enjoying this as well, because, well, hell, this has uh, been good. (laughs) (laughs) But I think it's time to jump into that spaceship and just cruise right into that cheesy zone. What do you think? All right, let's do it. What's your joke? So I've got one that revolves around Will Smith. All right. How how did Will Smith steal $10 from millions of people?
0: Hmm, I feel a jiggy with a ju- uh, punchline coming on. I don't know. How did he?
1: Nope. All he had to do was focus. What? I don't get it. The movie? It. The movie focus? It flopped?
0: Uh, oh. <laughs> I told you it was a thinker. Boy, that was a thinker. I'm like, wait a second. <laughs> I think I remember the movie. It was didn't do very well. Oh, how did he? Oh, how did he steal ten dollars? Oh, I get it. That was uh, <laughs> took me a minute.
1: Yeah, that was, that was a, I, I. I warned you was a thinker. It was a stinker, <laughs> and that was a thinker.
0: <laughs> that's the unusual pairing. That's both the thinker and a stinker. But there you go. <laughs> well, mine's a stinker, but you you won't have to think about it too hard. Good, because my brain doesn't work very hard. <laughs> hey, uh, what do you call a celebrity that that wears a tank top? No idea. Keon, no sleeves.
1: Keon, no sleeves. Ah, okay. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, we both had stinkers. Mine was a thinker stinker. Yours was a straight-up stinker. (laughs) Once again, guys, we warn you, it's cheesy. (laughs) We're going to live up to the cheese. (laughs) Uh, But next week, yeah, like Sean said, we're going to go ahead and do the 2000s. Uh, keep your eyes open on Twitter and Facebook. Uh, we'll go ahead and post them on there. Real quick, though, we put up a poll on Twitter about this group of movies, and it was a, you know, overwhelmingly 66% of people would pick Independence Day over speed. Not surprisingly, most people probably forgot all about the movie speed. Uh, Yeah, keep your ears open. I'll, I'm out there. I'm active. And. Keep an eye on all our social
0: media. Just visit us on our site, dannarock.com That's where you're going to find all past episodes and link to all our social media pages. And I think that's about it.
1: Okay. Well, I think it's a good time for us to go ahead and say it's the Dad the Rock podcast signing off for the evening. Good night, guys. You really think you can fly that thing? You really think you can do all that bullshit you just said? <laughs> <laughs>